I'm going to make my own module. Yeah, that's <laughs> going to say this, this or I'm just going to start. I'm going to yank that battery. I'm going to yank gonna, that delay. It, this, um, so it will be disabled. He's going to have this big, huge mallet. He's going to beat the crap out of it till it submits. You're listening to a four by four radio network podcast. Are you ready? It's the Jeep Talk Show with Wendy. There will be body damage. Jeep Mama. Are you sure? Josh. Yeah, I don't think so. And Tony. I think that's a huge deal. So sit back, strap in, and brace yourself. I want you to pound Jeep Talk Show. I'm sorry, wait, I misread that. I want you to hashtag... (laughs) Jeep Talk Show. Yes. <laughs> That's a different show, by the way, folks. <laughs> so, Jeep Talk Show. After dark. You see what I did there? I, I went yeah. old school and then brought it up to the 90s. So, oh, you're just so slick. I love it. Look at him go. It's the polishing. So uh, the, the great thing about uh, social media is you can use hashtags. And I'd like for you, and, and actually Wendy is really the person that's wanting me to do this. To use hashtag Jeep Talk Show on all your social media uh, uh, posts. Yes. Right? It's so easy. It's so easy to type it. That and little pound not? sign. It, roll, it rolls right off the fingers, uh, is, is what you're saying. <laughs> yes, I mean, yeah, you can, come up, you can come up with excuses like, you know, grandma's cornbread, uh, you know, has absolutely nothing to do with the Jeep Talk Show. But, uh, you know, I, I can come up with a lot more reasons why you should add it. I think it would give it a, a nice little edge to like add it to everything. <laughs> yes, it's just like salt and pepper or Let's bacon. COVID. Hashtag bacon. Jeep Talk Show. Great. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, do us a favor, get the word out about the Jeep Talk Show, and uh, add in pound Jeep Talk Show today. In <laughs> fact, I would just uh, you might want to just do type in pound Jeep Talk Show. Oh, that probably please get a, don't. <laughs> get a lot more. <laughs> really, really. What Hashtag kind of show is this? Hashtag. <laughs> That's you know, why we have an explicit rating. That's right. <laughs> you know, it doesn't matter if you have a Jeep, want a Jeep, or never do anything but Jeeps. The show is for you. Josh, Tammy, Wendy, and myself are here to <laughs> inform and entertain you while we talk about pounding. No. <laughs> this is why I started laughing as I was thinking this <laughs> while I was reading. Uh, just two steps ahead. <laughs> hey, Jeeper, I'm Josh. And on this episode, I finally got a good reason for you to turn on closed captions. I've also got a story of how a Jeeper found his own stolen Jeep. And later we do something about those brake lines. And I'm going to ask the question around the campfire about carrying spares. Well, howdy, it's Wendy. And I kind of want to know, when you're out off-roading, do you just drive through the obstacles or do you actually feel your Jeep? Well, in this episode, I'm sharing how feelings can make you a better driver. We're on the same uh, wavelength here, Wendy, with the the pounding (laughs) and the feeling of the Jeep. Yeah, I just think we're going to have a really interesting (laughs) show, folks. (laughs) Hi, I'm Tammy, a.k.a. Jeep Mama, and coming up on the next episode of Jeep Life, what looks like an easy modification can be your biggest struggle. (laughs) (laughs) No modification goes unpunished, uh, as I like to say. I'm Tony, and tonight I'll uh, ask you, do you love or hate your automatic engine start-stop on your Gladiator. Ooh, good to, good topic. You guys don't have to worry about that stuff, do you? No, but I have an opinion on that. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> Local Jeep News, National Jeep News, and news from around the world. It's This Week in Jeep. So, who here watched the Super Bowl? I'm probably the only one out of us. No, I, I watched this, it. 
Okay. All right. Well, if you did see Super Bowl 56, then you likely saw the usual all-out production attempts that brings some of the best of the best when it comes to visual advertising. Uh, Seven different automaker commercials from six different brands advertised during the Super Bowl. However, Stellantis, Jeep's parent company, was notably absent. Well, that doesn't, doesn't mean that Jeep did not produce a commercial. It's just more likely they didn't want to pay the premium price tag for the airtime during the during the big game. Now, that being said, uh, the 2022 Earth Odyssey, the title of the pregame commercial that Jeep did pay for, is a questionable work of art. The commercial unto itself is a play on the 1968 Stanley Kubrick film 2001 A Space Odyssey, and particularly the Dawn of Man scene where primates learn to use tools while intensely building orchestral music plays ominously. Did you, did you see what I did there? I described mm-hmm. the music in the same way that the closed captioning probably would have if you had it turned on. And if you would have had the closed captioning on when you watched the ad during this last Super Bowl, well, then you would have seen the little Easter egg that Jeep left for us all. Now, Jeep has been really good at hiding Easter eggs in things going at least as far back as the 1997 Wrangler TJ and possibly even further. So it's no surprise that the marketing execs let the closed captioning division have a little fun. Although the ad has zero dialogue to it, the closed captions reveal a whole new world of fun as the commercial plays on. Note by note, scene by scene, different animals contribute to the building orchestral crescendo. The ad makes perfect sense without the captions, but with them, the 60-second commercial takes on a new flavor, and a little bit of humor cuts through all the ecological virtue signaling. If you haven't heard about this particular Easter egg or haven't seen it for yourself, we'll have a link to one in the of the many of copies you can find on YouTube. Notable mention, by the way, eBay Motors saw a huge spike in traffic this weekend with an unprecedented level of searches involving vintage Chevy Impala lowriders, the vehicles that played a supporting role in the halftime show. So with that, I guess that leaves just one question. What's it going to take to get an XJ in the next year's Super Bowl halftime show? Exactly. Great question. All I'm saying. (laughs) Yeah, you got to say XJ. You can't say Cherokee because Cherokee is more likely to happen. (laughs) All right. In the Silver Spring area of Maryland, this one guy may have a new career as a detective as he found his stolen vehicle listed for sale in D.C. Now, the incident happened on Saturday, January 29th, around 2.30 a.m., The owner of the Jeep, a one Mr. Brian Williams, uh, probably not that Brian Williams you're thinking of, claims his son, we don't know the age of him, had the vehicle and had hopped out of the Jeep only for a second, only to return to find the Jeep gone. Now, what do you suppose a young man with a Jeep was doing in downtown Silver Spring, Maryland at 2.30 in the morning? Hmm. Regardless, the man filed a police report, posted pics on social media asking friends and family to keep an eye out, pretty much anything that we'd all do. But in Montgomery County, there were over 1,300 auto thefts alone, not including carjackings, into the year of 2021. So you can imagine the likelihood of this Jeeper ever getting their ride back. Instead of giving up, though, the Jeeper started combing the web and actually found it himself. There was his Jeep. The same marks, dents, bumper and all, listed as for sale on the site OfferUp. Now, he screen grabbed the post, which included several photos, and even a price tag on his stolen Jeep. Not only that, but the post was from a legitimate, licensed, used car dealership over in D.C., just about 20 minutes away, claiming they had a clean title for it and everything. Now, the name of the dealership has not been released, as police are still investigating, as just how the hell a stolen Jeep got there in the first place. 
Now, police were able to coordinate with the used auto business owner and had the Jeep's real owner ID the vehicle before he was allowed to pick it up just last week. Um, do you think the dealership is going out stealing cars to create inventory sitting on their lot? I mean, you how know, do they I, I kind of was 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 spitballing this one myself, trying to figure out, okay, exactly how did this all go down? Who all mm-hmm. is involved? It doesn't sound like the dealership owner was really aware of what was going on. Um, I, it didn't mention anything about him being brought into custody or an arrest being made. So that tells me that there's something going on behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. Now, likely what it is, is one of the sales guys has a friend of a friend who knows how to get vehicles. Procures you know, some like inventory. That something like that. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And uh, in this day and age where used cars are going at a premium, new cars mm-hmm. are, uh, well, hard to find and, and, and coming at even more of a premium. Um, well, you know, used car dealers are scrambling to get any vehicle that they can. And, well, apparently at least one is doing it in a very illegal way. You know what? It would have been interesting to go in and pose like, oh, I'm really interested and see what that actual title looked like, because then that's a whole different level of fraud, I think. But honestly, I just want to say, really, people, 20 minutes away from when you stole the Jeep, you don't think that would have been found? <laughs> I mean, it's some of these guys are not too smart. This kind of uh, curtails into a little bit of a rabbit trail. Uh, something that I, I heard, and I really haven't substantiated this, so take this uh, sort of with a grain of salt a little bit. Um, I heard through the grapevine that Jeep and Ford are actually coming down on their dealers relatively hard. And that's because they've been um, price gouging a little bit, if you yes. will. Yes. Oh, we all goodness, know yes. that, that you know new cars have been pretty scarce uh, because of the chip shortage. And so dealerships are trying to, well, keep their profit margins where they were. Uh, you know, pre-COVID, pre-pandemic, pre-chip shortage, you know, all that kind of stuff. And with dwindling inventory, with a chip shortage uh, still carrying on, with, uh, um, you know, cars not being uh, produced as fast, as often, quite in, in, as, as quantities, and of course with them uh, not being able to be shipped because we don't have the drivers for the trucks and all this other stuff, it's a compounding cluster F of issues that the dealerships are having to try and overcome. They're doing this by jacking up prices, sometimes 20, 30 40, 50,000 or more above MSRP. That's a no-no, at least from the automakers. And they're coming down rather strongly, and at least on Chevrolet and on Ford particularly. I haven't heard this about Jeep or in other Stellantis dealers yet, uh, but I haven't dug into this as deep as I want to uh, to bring a story here on the show. So just know that this is something that's going on. Obviously, there's some trickle-down through this with these kind of stories popping up in, in the used car market as well. Sign I'm of the times. Just, I'm just surprised Danny DeVito's even, even any part of this. I know his uh, career has been on the downcline uh, here for the last uh, several years. You yeah, Tony's referring shoot. referring to the picture yeah. I've got in the show notes for for this episode, and uh, and it's got a a an old school Danny DeVito in a very used car sales oh, guy get up, <laughs> yes, rubbing his hands together like I just can't wait. They need, uh, to, they need to get Danny DeVito and Kurt Russell in for a, a used car a movie remake. Uh, mm. That movie was so funny. <laughs> a lot of those movies from back then were, were pretty good. Don't hold up quite as well today. No, but, no uh, they don't. Nonetheless. Not politically correct in the least. <laughs> no, but that doesn't matter. We want to hear what you have to say. If you've got a response to any one of our stories or you have a headline that I haven't seen yet, well, let us know. Go ahead and reach out to us by going to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact right now and find out all the different ways you can reach out to us. 
You're listening to a 4x4 Radio Network podcast. Hey, don't forget, we've got a whole bunch of stuff over at the 4x4 Radio Network website. Tony, we, we got more than just the Jeep Talk Show over there, right? Uh, that's pretty much it. I mean, if you get right down oh, to it. Yeah, you know, we got, I mean, we're everywhere, so that's all that really Oh, no, I'm sorry. There's Trail Chasers. We talked about Trail Chasers last oh, week. Oh, yeah, Cody gets an honorable mention, sure. Yeah. And, uh, oh, John uh, at uh, Center Steer Podcast, they, they misspell the word center, but they're still good. <laughs> I know, you're going to typo in the name right off the back? No, they're, you know, no, it's, a, a, it's a British it. thing. Yeah, it's a yeah. British thing. Spelled differently still means the same. So yeah, and then Dan at the Four by Four podcast, which is uh, which is always fun. Although I think Dan's been pretty busy overseas. He got uh, transferred from California to uh, I think he's back in South Korea now. I think uh, the Beatles did that uh, did a song about that back 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 in the uh, South Korea, wasn't it? <laughs> that guy's no. moved more times than I've had birthdays. Uh, you never know about the army, but uh, yeah. So I don't know if uh, I haven't heard a a new podcast, uh, a new episode from uh, from Dan in a while, but. Uh, they're there and they're still alive, so don't give up hope. Right, right. Well, you can check it all out over at four. The no, this is the number four, the letter X, the number four, and radionetwork.com. That's four by four, radionetwork.com. We'll see you there. Kind of like the uh, the pound sign thing. Who, when, when did that buy? When did X start meaning buy? You know, that's that yeah. kind of a strange thing. Four X four, four by four. I, I don't know. It's confusing to me. I'm new here. What? Where's the noob? Noob! 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 Hey, noobie! Noobie! Noob Nugget. It's time for Noobie Nuggets. Well, when you're a new Jeep owner or a new driver out on the trails, there's lots to learn about Jeeping and crawling. Now, when I work with a newbie, I try to explain about feeling your Jeep. All right, Josh, you better get the duct tape out for Tony on this one. Now, when you drive through obstacles, big or small, there are moments where you can feel your way through. You literally feel what your Jeep is doing, and after some time and experience, this becomes second nature. Now, when you first start driving, you're focusing on just getting out there and having fun. But actually, if you think about what you're doing and driving over and you feel what is happening, it will make you a better driver. The first thing I tell students is that there is a width and length to your Jeep. Now, every Jeep's a little different, or a lot different from other Jeeps. Now, you need to know your Jeep when driving off-road. Until you actually drive and understand the width and length, things may not go as smoothly as you thought. So try to find some terrain where it is narrow, like maybe some tall bushes or trees on both sides, or big rocks that you are climbing through, not over yet. Plan to put the Jeep in the middle of that path, and as you drive through, look at both side mirrors and see if you have room on either side. And if the Jeep went where you thought you were driving it. For instance, if you pass between two shrubs, are you scraping on one side? It's typically the passenger side, by the way. Look and see. Or are you clear on both sides? If you do that each time you drive, it will help you learn the width of your Jeep. After a few more runs, it will become instinctual and you will know your width. Now, when presented with a path that looks very narrow, you'll know just how to place your Jeep for your line and understand where you need to be. Now, if you've entered that narrow path and you scraped, learn to fix it by picking a slightly different line. Maybe you're moving a little bit to the left or the right. And if you could run the same path a few times, you will learn to feel your way and not even have to look. Although I always check my side mirrors just to make sure I'm staying on the path that I selected. Now, the next thing about feeling your Jeep is the length. Now, this is probably a bit harder to master only because your Jeep length may or may not be the same length as your daily driver. 
Sometimes the length of the Jeep is shorter than your normal car, and sometimes it's longer. You sort of have to get in the mindset when driving your Jeep that it is different from whatever car you're used to. Now, determining the length of the Jeep takes some time, but as you go through a narrow area and you check your side mirrors for your width, you're also feeling your tires go over a rock or a rut in the road. What you, what you want to do is feel when the rear tires are going over or through something. So as you drive on a fire road, as an example, there may be a water crossing or ruts with, or a few half-buried small rocks. As you place the front tires over and are almost finished, you kind of wait to feel the rear tires as they go through it. The amount of time it takes or short distance you traveled from front, from front tires to rear, it's telling you the length of your Jeep. Now, this is very important as you get into more rock crawling with tight, sharp turns, but it's also important if you have guests on board and you take a dip or a rut and only think about your front tires and your guests are being bounced all over the back seats when you've forgotten about those rears. Now, your front tires help you determine how deep or steep or rutted an obstacle can be, but by listening or feeling how your Jeep goes through with the front tires, then you apply that knowledge and anticipate how those rears will travel over the same bump, rut, or rock. You will be able to smooth out the ride and navigate obstacles successfully. Feeling your Jeep is essential to Jeeping. Most experienced drivers rarely have to think about feeling their Jeep as it maneuvers through because they have been doing it for so long, it just comes naturally. But a newbie driver has to learn the basics of feeling your Jeep by driving and experiencing. So go out, try some of these tips the next time you're out off-roading. Doesn't take much to look out the side mirrors and feel your front and rear tires as they go over obstacles. What you learn will be valuable as you expand your Jeeping horizons and get out and tackle obstacles. Now, in next week's episode, I'm going to be sharing putting all that feeling together and how to use it the next time you wheel. So, Josh and Tony, I know I'm going to regret asking, but do you both feel your Jeep when you're off-road? I, I want to talk about my feelings. <laughs> you, can, you can take the duct tape off of Tony, which apparently you already did. <laughs> hey, we're uh, we're on the same wavelength here, uh, Wendy. Uh, I love the duct tape and the whole struggling idea for the Jeep. That would be good. <laughs> there you go. You know what? It's also good if you got someone screaming. You just cover their mouth and you can keep driving. It's good. <laughs> eh, I can take criticism. It's all right. On the next Jeep Talk Show, 101 uses for duct tape. <laughs> you know what? I might do that one one episode for the newbies out there. Oh, God. Oh, yeah, you know, I, it's, if you listen to the show for, for any length of time, you know that, uh, that I'm a big proponent for, for you know, being connected to the vehicle, connected to the road, connected to the trail. And all this drive-by-wire stuff, I just I cannot stand. Uh, mm -hmm. I, I'm a little bit old school in that way. Uh, I like to feel... The gas pedal, I like to feel the resistance. I like to feel the connection of my foot to the vehicle, to the connection of the vehicle to the ground, all that kind of stuff. I'm very much a touchy-feely kind of guy. This is going to get really inappropriate very quickly. <laughs> very quickly. Uh, no, but but seriously, I, I, I'm very tangible when I'm off-road as well. I'm, I'm looking for those. And that's why one of those things I, I say, you know, I don't listen to music when I'm out on the trail because I want to hear what the vehicle that's, is doing. I want yes. to hear tires on the trail i want to hear the load up of the engine the transmission i want i want to feel and hear all that all my senses are all working overtime when i'm on the trail and they're all focused particularly on the vehicle or the ground itself or what the two are doing in, conju in, con in conjunction with each other so yep. yeah i'm i'm 100 percent with you on 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 feeling this here i'm going to give you something here wendy this is something you can use uh when you're out on the trail and you're uh uh and you're spotting people and you're teaching them stuff uh is don't just wheel it Feel it. 
Ooh, I like it. Can I take that? Yeah, absolutely. That's yours. I like it. So I will, I've mentioned this before, but this reminded me of it. Um, be careful if, if you're used to driving one vehicle and you switch over to a, another vehicle like a Wrangler that has, you see the width of the hood, but you don't necessarily see the width of the whole Jeep or the fenders. Exactly. Because now you're making decisions based on the hood width because that's what, what it was before. Like my, my XJ, mm-hmm. it's, it's, you know, it's a little wider than the hood, of course, but it's not right. that much. So I make decisions based on, you know, what I've learned as far as the, the width of the hood. And then when you get a, uh, <laughs> a cheap truck that has the, you know, the Wrangler front end on it that has these fenders sticking out seven, eight, nine <laughs> inches, it's like, oh, I'll drive by something at speed and I go, oh, wait a minute, I got something hanging out there further. <laughs> so, I mean, this isn't initially off-road, but it's uh, it, it could be very um, uh, interesting uh, for yeah. that, that Prius that I clip. Yeah. Well, it's interesting, too, when I work with people that are brand new to driving, and they literally kind of look at me funny when I say, you really need to feel your Jeep. And, of course, I'm serious when I'm saying that. And they're kind of thinking to myself, this gal's maybe lost it. But honestly, when you are putting somebody through the paces and you're kind of showing them the way, you know, using those side mirrors is so critical for learning that width and just, you know, taking a quick peek. Oh, how close was I? And and imagining, I think I'm in the center. When you find out you're not, you're farther to the right or the left. Um, I love when I can find a course that has a lot of shrubbery that kind of gives you that feeling that you're in a narrow space and saying to that driver, you know, try to put it through the middle there and don't touch, don't let the bushes touch you. And that is so valuable. But I think when we start off driving, we get so focused on just going, which is great, um, getting off road and doing things that I think sometimes a newbie driver may not have someone saying, you know what, let's, let's learn about your width and length. Because later on my next episode, I'm going to talk about how you put those together and how they benefit you in any kind of wheeling that you do. So um, I just think it's important to talk about your feelings in a different way. <laughs> so, I just, I just, know. I just got to help. I can't help but think this is a great guy, great way to get a guy into the woods uh, with a Jeep uh, <laughs> by, say. <laughs> by saying, hey, you want to go to the woods so we can, <laughs> check, can your, feel the check your length and width? <laughs> Well, sure. Sir, why not? <laughs> hey, I want to ask you a question. This uh, this picture you have in the, the show notes, and you guys can see this on episode 568, com. Is that Hank Hill's Jeep? That looks like Hank Hill driving that uh, that red Jeep, that YJ. I, I think it's a girl in there, but I don't know. I found it on the, you know, just looking for images, <laughs> yeah. but Damn I thought it, it was Bobby. kind of cute. <laughs> well, you know, and the, the other one, of- I go ahead, Josh. I was going to say, at the risk of, of this segment going a little bit longer than it, than it probably should, <laughs> and, and possibly even crapping on your next insta- installment of, of this segment, uh, I, there was something that I, that I talked about, oh God, it was sometime in the last couple of years, I looked back in our archives, I couldn't find it, which episode it was particularly on, uh, but I talked about how to find your corners, and, and knowing the corners of your Jeep, and knowing, uh-huh. knowing the extents of your Jeep, and knowing where those limits are. And how to do that, especially if you're new to your vehicle or you're new to off-roading and, and getting your vehicle in and out of tight areas and not really knowing what that, that vehicle awareness, not really having all of that established, knowing exactly within inches where that, the edge of that tire, where the edge of that fender, where that bumper is lying, even though you can't see two-thirds of the back of your Jeep. You know, so there's 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 a trick that I've I've taught other people uh, what to do and how to an exercise and how to learn your corners. And it's as simple as a piece of PVC pipe and in an, an orange traffic cone. 
you know, anything like that, a bucket in a PVC pipe, anything that you can bump into that's, you know, not going to be wrecked or wreck your Jeep. And right. and something that's tall enough to where you can see it move the closer you, as you get close to it or, or bump it even. And so you can put these in a parking lot and then practice backing into this imaginary tree that is nothing more than a, you know, cone and a piece of PVC pipe or turning into something or, you know, coming up as close as you can to something without touching it. And these little simple exercises that, you know, I is installed in me in years and years and years of wheeling, but also as a car jockey for a number of years, fitting eight cars into a six car shop and, and working on them all, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, and doing this for years and years with all kinds of different vehicles and everything, knowing where that vehicle awareness, that vehicle situational awareness, knowing where those corners are and stuff like that. You should be uh, knowing that too with your Jeep, regardless of how long you've had it, how much long you've been wheeling and everything. This is a very simple exercise that anybody can do to learn their corners. On the next well, episode, it, I'll teach you how to find your corners by using corners. modeling clay and baby oil. <laughs> and quilting materials. We'll figure this out. <laughs> uh, well, and that's true, Josh. Thank you for that little tip. And I'll try to incorporate a little bit of that in that next week because it is important. And like you said, even if you're not a newbie driver, you know, maybe you were taught this or maybe you're cutting corners too short or you're just doing some things that could get you into trouble. So hopefully we can straighten that out next week, but it's all good. Well, if you like this topic, you want some others, give me some suggestions. I'm happy to do that. You can find out more. Check out our YouTube channel at Trails411 for great content with lots of tips, tricks, and techniques. Gladiator. My name is Gladiator. Gladiators. Are you not entertained? Are you not entertained? Is this not why you are here? Gladiator. Josh, if you were driving your uh, XJ, I'm, I know it was years ago, but uh, and you were, it started up fine, it was running fine, and you drove down to the end of your block, came to a stop sign, and the engine stopped. What nope. would you think? I, I can't say that. I can't say those words on the on the air. <laughs> uh, it would freak say. you out, right? You're like, oh, what, no, what, it, what it, fresh it hell freak, is this? And, I, I I, and it. of course, I'd be like, okay, you know, exactly. What what's going on? Is it this or is it that? Right. It's probably yeah, yeah. going to be one of just a few things hopefully and if you're like me you immediately try to start it and go oh crap it won't even turn over oh wait a minute i'm in drive okay <laughs> where does it go oh i normally start this in park and i put it in park <laughs> yeah uh you have an automatic right you're not a standard i do right? yeah. yeah yeah so uh and of course if you're standard you gotta uh push in the uh, the clutch pedal but it would freak you the f out yeah i i hate them so that same thing for you, Wendy, if you were driving the, the JK and it just came to a dead stop, of course, you'd notice it because yeah. you're used to it running. It's it's not a good feeling. I've had to rent cars, which that have this stuff. And the oh, first thing oh, I do is find the book, find out how to disable that turkey and it's off. Because I just, to me, especially for me, this is how I look at it. I'm a woman in a car by myself. If the car isn't running, how do I get away if I had to? Yeah, right? very true. So I look at it from a safety thing and everybody says, oh, but it starts right back up. I'm like, there is no way it's saving that much on any whatever they're trying to say it's saving for my safety. So I have a real big hate it. 
don't do not give me a car with it and I'm going to disable it, figure out how to do it. I think maybe on the, what is it, the 405 or whatever it is in California, the one that is just, I think, I think we had a listener call in one time and say that he just put his Jeep in four low and uh, just let it crawl yeah. <laughs> in traffic. Yeah, that, that would be the 405, the 5, it wouldn't matter. All of them all are right, bad all right. in California. So I can see that this, this may have been built just for that highway or any highway that you have a lot of uh, stop and sit time because otherwise it just doesn't really make a lot of sense i remember from years ago that you it takes two minutes worth of fuel to start your vehicle i don't know if that's still true or not but that's what i remember exactly so if you have to start it and stop it is is that so that the companies can get more what sales and starters batteries and batteries yeah. and everything else selling, i mean to me it's stupid selling batteries so uh like a <laughs> like like they say you got to save those pennies so uh, obviously the uh, the the hosts here are are not enthusiasts <laughs> of the start stop on the engine. No. Uh, but what what about you out there? Do you love it or do you hate it? And uh, so many people dislike it; they have to disable it. So with the, the uh, 2021 Jeep Talk Show Gladiator, neither the the wife or I enjoyed the the start stop. Although the the engine is really quiet, so I think if you uh, if if you if you can't hear it stop, it's less of an issue, and you can't feel it vibrate, it's less of an issue. But still, it kind of freaks you out because something it does the, the, yeah. something in the air changed. It does change, and it's like a it's a feeling. Hello, yes. you can feel your vehicle, and you're like, wait, there's no, no hum. What's going on here? And, and yeah, Wendy, and it's Wendy, not good. And, and Wendy just talked about feeling your Jeep, and this is not <laughs> feeling your Jeep. That's, this is, not that's, this is what's wrong with this. <laughs> so there's a uh, there's several ways that you can disable the start stop on your 2021 Jeep uh, Gladiator. Uh, number one would be to disable the hood ajar sensor. Now this is free, but a warning light will display on your dash. From now on, if you're a, and, a, a XJ owner, you'll you'll be used to the the light yes, on the dash. Yes, I was going to say, and eventually the light will go out, and then it's good. Burnout. <laughs> LED burned out after fifty thousand hours. So, so, and it's really easy to install. You just need to look up and find out which one of the ones you're supposed to disconnect, because uh, there's two there. Because one wasn't enough. Uh, <laughs> Which is so strange. I mean, they're saving pennies, but they're throwing uh, all these uh, uh, sensors uh, at the at the Jeep. Now, I found out about one that uh, I didn't know about. It's the Armor Auto Parts Smart Auto Stop Start Module for a hundred and thirty bucks. And I wow. think it plugs in the same place that the uh, the Taser Mini plugs into. But I'm getting ahead of myself. And it, as far as I can tell, that's all it does. It just lets, allows you to uh, re, it allows the Jeep to remember what the button state was the last time you pressed it. Oh, so hmm. for 130 bucks you can get a a one use uh, add on, uh, and uh, for uh, 329 dollars you can get the Z Automotive Taser Mini, which does the same thing, plus hmm. about 600 other things. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So maybe good money spent there. Well, I'm thinking so, uh, but you know, you could always just remember to push the start but start stop button each time you get in and start the engine. And but seriously, why do we have to do that? I'm sorry, we have been t- trained. Get in the car, turn it on, and go. You're being you, retrained. When you, you want to stop it, you turn it off. So we should have an option. It should be no, if you'd like no, to no, no, start. No. This stop is function, this is the last press step. This, button. this is the last step before you go to the start stop button training camp. No. So <laughs> do it of your own free will, damn it, or we'll make you. <laughs> 
So, uh, and, and of course, if you just remember to press that button, you don't have to, uh, to remember to remove something before work is performed on your GLAD at the dealership. Now, I don't know that they even care, uh, but sometimes some dealerships look for any reason under the sun to uh, not to say, oh, well, this is obviously the problem. You say it's a, oh. it's a flat tire. But so you're yes. thinking it's like a warranty kind of thing if you have that button unchecked or you don't have this hooked up. Well, if you got if you got like you? a Taser Mini or this uh, uh, oh, Armor Auto Parts, uh, take small, that off first. Yeah. yeah. So now you okay. got to do modifications to your Jeep. Before, and, and of course, the the disabling of the hood ajar sensor is probably the easiest one to get to, and and, and mm-hmm. certainly the cheapest. Uh, uh, but uh, I don't know that they would be. Uh, I don't know how happy they'd be about seeing that thing missing as far as, uh, you know, <laughs> somebody's going going on a government watch list, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> so, uh, anyway, have you disabled your auto start-stop in another way? Call in and let us know your start-stop story. Or you can just send us an email. Just go to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact and find out all the ways that you can contact us and let us know. So, uh, Josh, whenever you buy a new Jeep, are you going to disable your uh, auto start-stop? I'm going to make my own module. Yeah, that's going to say this, this or I'm just going to start. I'm going to yank that battery. I'm going to yank gonna, it. It will be disabled. He's going to have this big, huge mallet. He's going to beat the crap out of it till it submits. You know, no, it, it's funny. You mentioned the battery. There's a, actually a sensor that goes that, that is plugged into the battery um, and you can disable the start stop by unplugging that uh, that connection. So there there's go. there's a lot of extra sensors on there. I just didn't know if it was uh, specifically for the Gladiator or if it was a JL Gladiator. It usually is. And I didn't know what year they put it in, so I didn't throw it into the uh, the mix here. But uh, I, I think I saw five different ways that you can uh, disable the start-stop. It's, it's pretty – I mean, this has got to be uh, a big complaint at Jeep. I mean, when they take the vehicles in, I bet you people really complain about this a lot. Nobody likes it. No, but this is how they get the EPA regulations and and yes. get those EGs. So it's either this or uh, aluminum door panels and uh, an IFS. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. It's great for the aftermarket. Why did you become a paid subscriber to the Jeep Talk Show? I love the show. I've been listening to you guys for free for how many years now, and I figure like time to give back. You can be a paid subscriber and help support the show you love, the Jeep Talk Show. It'll just uh, help help the show out, and and then in the end, it'll be Jeep Talk Show in my ear holes. You know, just go to JeepTalkShow.com and look for the big yellow subscribe button. It'd be nice to give back to uh, so that you guys can continue on. Because if they love the show, then why shouldn't you? Why shouldn't you give back just a little? bit yeah i like that give back a little bit and uh, a little bit can be given back by going to jeeptalkshow.com uh slash contact and look at our paid subscriber uh sections we've got uh, three of them there and uh, any of them are going to get you at least two stickers and uh, and sometimes more depending on uh, which which level you go in at and you know there's another way uh that uh, you may be curious about the amazon products that we talk about on the uh, on the show uh if you go to the jeep talk show website and just look up, uh, look there on the uh, the very top uh, of the uh, the menu, and it says Amazon products. You can go there and see uh, many of the Amazon products that we've talked about in past and present episodes. From the mind of Nikki G. Hey, this is Nikki G. And uh, last week you talked about getting Josh a plane ticket from Oregon to Texas. I'm pretty sure there's a lot of people in Oregon that'll pitch in for a one-way ticket to Texas for Josh. 
no. But that's not why I'm calling. I'm calling to tell you I made a record player out of chocolate. Yeah, it really sounds sweet. All right, boys and girls, I'll chat you later. Have a good one. Bye. Yeah, I think he's coming near the end of the joke book. <laughs> this is a personal attack against me. I don't, I don't know. I'm going to take that. Josh is the nice one. I know. Gosh. <laughs> there's, there's too many snowflakes in this state for me. I, there, I, I pissed a lot of people off. <laughs> You're doing your job. You're listening to Jeep Talk Show, Podcast. At my mom's house. You must have needed this every day. I need it! It's the Jeep Talk Show's must-have stuff. Pick of the week for your Jeep. What the hell is this? Yeah, this is this strange. Is something new and odd, all right? <laughs> let's, let's talk about clearance for a second. More importantly, self-clearance. The worst kind of clearance, actually. Now, clearance is normally a good thing. Having clearance to land, clearance under a bridge... Clearance for your tires. That's a good one, right? But what happens when you don't have clearance for things like those tires? Well, that's when self-clearance happens, and things will take care of themselves for you. <laughs> the tires will clear those stock fender flares clean off the rig all by themselves. Yep. The sharp edge of the wheel well will clear away plenty of rubber that gets in the way. You get the idea. Self-clearance is usually quite destructive and something that, well, you'd rather want to avoid if at all possible. Now, this is true when it comes to something as out of mind as your brake lines, even. So, so long as they're not broken or ruptured, you know, what, what's the problem, right? As your suspension moves up and down, so does that brake caliper and the brake line that it's attached to. In many Jeeps, the brake line often becomes the limiting strap uh, for the droop of an aftermarket suspension system. Now, obviously, that poses a number of problems. So what do most of us do? Well, we yank the brake line mount off the inner fender to give us another inch or two of slack, right? Easy mod. Well, you know, there's there's issues with that as, as well. You know, sometimes that's enough. Sometimes extended brake lines are needed. And uh, they, more oftentimes than not, find their way up against the shock or worse, will even kiss the tire. Now, if you're in a position where the wheel well or the wheel is turned all the way to one side and, and that brake uh, brake line kisses the tire, well, that tire just so happens to have some spin going. It can act like a saw blade, actually, cutting into the brake line and opening it up like a beer can at a redneck bonfire party. It's going to be hard to fix that on the trail, too. So the best thing to do is to keep it out of harm's way from the get-go. This week's must-have pick of the week for your Jeep is from the world-famous TerraFlex company, and they call it the Front Brake Line Anchor Kit. And right now on extreme terrain, they're only 26 bucks for the kit. Now this brake line anchor kit is made from stainless steel and molded rubber and can be installed with basic hand tools in, well, about less than 30 minutes. The design of these keeps that brake line in a specific position, and that position is up to you. It's out of harm's way, but it doesn't limit the flex or the line's ability to move with the suspension or do what it's supposed to do. It just keeps from getting too friendly with the tire. Now the kit comes with two pieces, one for each side of the front of your Jeep. And TerraFlex thought of everything in this design. They even incorporated a separate channel in the molded rubber for the speed sensor wire. Man, they got it all. Now, these are meant to work for every single JK model, year, and trim, including Unlimited and Rubicon, two-door, four-door, regardless of trim, color, lift, it doesn't matter. I've already come up with a way to use these on my XJ, so I bet you can find a use for them no matter what Jeep you have. And at 26 bucks, I bet you got to have one, too. Holy crap. I just buy it because it's something for twenty six bucks from Terraflex. <laughs> no, really? you might get a free sticker out of the out of the whole thing too. <laughs> I like their stickers. 
I like this, Josh. I've never seen anything like this before. It's really yeah, neat. This, I like the picture. Yeah, this is pretty cool. I mean, it's well designed too. Anything that's well designed, I I, I fully back. Uh, and this is this is made from the same kind of rubber that like your exhaust hanger would be made out of, or uh, you know something that's really durable, thick, vulcanized rubber that's not going to degrade or go anywhere anytime soon. Uh, the mounting point again, stainless steel. It's not going to rust. Uh, you can bend it into a specific position. It's going to stay there. Uh, it's just, I mean, it's just really well thought of, very well designed, and even better, it comes at a nice price. So it's like, well, God, you know, there's there's no reason not to get a set of these. Well, the critical question is, uh, what colors do they come in? Nah, rubber's black. <laughs> black. What you get? People are rolling their eyes out there. Yeah, you were baited. They you are. were trolled. They are. <laughs> Well, now that you must have a set of these Brakeline anchors from TerraFlex, we're going to make it very easy for you. All you're going to have to do is just go to our website, right? Now you know how to do that, jeeptalkshow.com. Look for the link in the show notes for episode 568. We got you all hooked up. Come here. I want to show you what I'm holding my brake lines with. <laughs> I like the one. Come here. It's going to hurt. <laughs> Daddy, no. I don't want to. <laughs> well jeeper this is the part of the show where we pull up around the campfire uh, open up a chair maybe open up an adult beverage and uh, start cracking wise and uh, just chit-chatting about whatever particular topic we decide to pull out of the hat this week and uh, this week i'm going to be talking about spares and i'm going to be painting uh, this with a pretty wide brush here uh you know this is uh, this doesn't have to be limited to spare tires uh, this could be any kind of spares I wheel with a guy who, when he goes out on the trail, he's pretty much got to spare everything. I think at one point in time, he even had a spare transfer case in his in his in the back of his Jeep. At one point, it was <gasps> insane, right? Wow. I mean, a spare water pump. He's got a spare alternator. I mean, it's it's ridiculous. This guy's probably got 250 pounds of spare auto parts with him out on the trail just because he doesn't want to run into a situation where he's going to have to leave the Jeep and go to a parts store. Look, I get it, okay, but there's a line in the sand, all right? But I'm going to ask the question regardless. What spares do you carry out on the trail? Whether it be daily driving or or actually out wheeling or whatnot, doesn't matter. It's open territory. Whether it's a spare fuse or a spare tire, every answer goes. So we're going to go around the horn and uh, and ask people what they got. Hey, Josh. Yeah. Is, is that your friend uh, that after the rollover, uh, y'all, y'all called him flat top and it wasn't because of his haircut? God. <laughs> the imprint of a, uh, of a AC compressor in the back of his skull. No, hey, you should get one of them Novak uh, shifters for that uh, head of yours. <laughs> Don't worry, Nikki G, your job is safe. <laughs> so we got a good amount of uh, people around the campfire tonight. People just like you, the listener. In fact, if you would like to uh, be a part of the very next campfire side chat, you can. And we're going to tell you how you can join in on the fun here in just a little bit. But for now... I am going to go to uh, Tom P and uh, and talk with Tom. Tom, what uh, what what are some of the uh, the spares that you carry around? Well, I pretty much carry a spare tire everywhere I go, whether it's long distance, short distance, or daily driving. Um, depending on how far I go, I'll drag the my front uh, axles. I have a pair of front axles to yeah. swap in if I break one. Thirty-five spline rear axle. I don't think I'll break with a three-eight V six. So. I don't worry about that one too much. And then other than that, I just carry the normal spare fuses like you would carry in a normal car. And minor tools here and there, but nothing major. 
No, that's actually a good, uh, nice rounded out collection right there. And the axle shafts, you know, I mean, th that's one of those things where if you can, you should. If you can get your hands on a, on, a, on a spare axle shaft or two, absolutely. It's good to have them even in the garage. You know, if you can get the Jeep back to the house, uh, you know, back to the garage, back to the shop, at least you have the parts there. You can begin the repair immediately. Uh, but even out on the trail, even better. Uh, let's move over to uh, Garrett Jones. Garrett, let's talk about the spares that you carry. Um, I run, I carry a spare tire with me. I may bring two sometimes, uh, cause I keep, they both have the same wheels and tires, so they both fit. Um, I would I'm collect some spare shafts here pretty soon. So I have some shafts to carry around, but other than that, not too much. You know, ultimately there's not a whole lot that you have to carry out with you as far as it comes to spares. It all really all depends on how hard you're wheeling. If you're playing deep in the rocks and and you're you know you're out in there in harm's way, you probably want to carry a little bit more than a couple of fuses with you uh, and a spare tire. Uh, but if you're you know your your wheeling is pretty mild, pretty easy, uh, you don't get into stuff too extreme, then it probably doesn't matter uh, what you carry. You're probably not going to be getting yourself into too much of harm's way to where the point where you're going to be snapping axle shafts or uh, things like that. Let's move it over to uh, to Chuck here. Chuck, what do you carry with you uh, as far as spares go in your Jeep? So, uh, of course, I carry a full spare tire. And um, what I what I had done in the past, which I'll incorporate that into the Scrambler build, is my spare tire carrier, uh, I actually mounted it with a spindle and hub assembly for the front end. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I'd have all my spare, spare bearings, spare spindle, spare, um, you know, hub assembly and a locking hub because I run worn locking hubs on my Jeep. And nice. that all goes in the whole kit itself, right? So if you break something, well, who cares if your spare tire can't spin, but if your front end can't spin, that's a problem, right? So I, I did that. We also carry um, spare power steering lines because um, on the CJs where they are at, they actually rub on the fender, so it's quite common for them to get a little rub wear on it, and then uh, it always goes out in a not good time. And then uh, U-joints, U-joints fit in the toolbox real nice because they're, they're nice that. and easy and small. Yep. And then um, and, and I actually use U-joints for the front axles as well. And then I always carry axle parts to because uh, I, I still run a 30 up front, which I've never had an issue with, but I've I've always Ditto. had it, and I always thought that if you have it, you're not going to need it sort of thing. That's right. <laughs> and, right. <laughs> and that, and that, that's kind of it, you know. I mean, a, a lot of the other stuff you can you can kind of limp out of the trail with, but sure. your broken spinny parts, that's really the stuff that you need, you know. Very well put, Chuck. That's very well put. The spinny stuff is the stuff that you want to <laughs> carry with you. That's I like that one. I have to use that one uh, on a future episode or something like that. Uh, let's, uh, let's talk with John, John Lee. Uh, what are the kind of spares that you carry with you? Well, besides the, the tire, it's kind of depends on where I'm going. If I'm going to the parks, really, I don't carry much of anything besides tools and some recovery stuff like ratchet straps and stuff. Um, but if I'm going on a long trip, U-joints is the main thing. Cause that's kind of what's set up as kind of the fusible link. I like to carry a couple of those in the, in the toolbox. And then, uh, some sections of hose specifically like the size for the radiator hose, stuff like that. Stuff that you can can blow off or lose or whatever. Um, I used to try to make sure I had a belt, at least one belt, just in case blew that off somehow. But I haven't taken that with me the last several times. So, U joints are the the main spare I carry. 
Really quick, wh- why is it that the belt didn't get thrown in there? It seems like that's a light enough uh, type of item that doesn't take up a, a whole lot of room that uh, it could very easily have been thrown in with the, with the rest of everything. Was it just, uh, oh, crap, I forgot to grab that, or was it something more? It's it's more about, you know, I'm trying to get my recovery bag to fit in a certain size and um, kind of pulled everything out, packed it back in. I didn't put that in. I just, I've never brought it since, right? I, I still have one. I just haven't brought it. It's not like a specific reason I haven't. I just, it's not one of those things where I worry too much about, about grabbing it. But when I, like when we go to Colorado in August, I'll probably bring it with me just, just because it's, it's an easy thing to bring. And like you said, it doesn't take up much space and it's really light. Josh, well, there's I'm, a bit of uh, some background information on that, that uh, unfortunately, um, John's wife found out how much he spent on all his uh, recent upgrades, <laughs> and he used that. Uh, she used that belt on him. So there's just some really bad, oh, <laughs> bad connotations with the belt right now. But here he's, we he, go. He's oh. going to get over it. Well, I, had to, I had to pay extra for that treatment, though. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's right. Be manly. Oh, uh, good times. Good times. No, John, I, I'm with you. I, I probably wouldn't want uh, spare parts in my recovery bag. You know, I'm I'm kind of the one where you know that kind of stuff it stays with that kind of stuff so the spare parts go with the spare parts the tools go with the tools the recovery goes with the recovery a place for everything everything in its place i'm a little ocd what can i say uh let's talk with uh with bill atx bill uh or i guess that would be bill a in texas how about that <laughs> atx yeah. sounds good it sounds like a pc <laughs> that was kind of cool <laughs> uh bill, let's talk uh, yeah, about what kind of spares you got um so i'll carry like some uh spare suspension bolts and nuts a lot of those are are very similar sizes so you don't need to carry you know spares for for everything but i have a few in there just in case something rattles loose and you know track bar or something pops off or whatever you got a a spare there that you can you can throw on um i carry an extra uh front wiper on there on some of the longer overlanding trips on there just in case you get like mud or something like that and it's easy and small and kind of easy to tuck away um spare tire i'll do a uh my sway bar links had those quick release pins. I had a trip where the some of those pins bent on there and you can pick up extras from the uh, tractor supply. So now I carry a few yeah. of those um, lug nuts on there. I have a couple of lug nuts on there. You know, if something comes up, some, come, something comes loose. You got, you know, they're small, easy to kind of throw yeah. in your bag. Exactly. Um, for the trailer, I'll carry a, a hub assembly uh, in case one of the, brakes on there the drum brakes has a problem i can mm-hmm. you know pull that off and just put a you know just a hub on there to, to get, get up and going and, and moving again and uh hose clamps was another thing that i just kind of throw in the bag i have a you know, those universal ones that you can kind yeah. of build it to size on there nice that's a good kit bill it seems it sounds like most of that would all pretty much fit in like an ammo can is there is there all something? Does this all get just thrown in a in a, uh, in a duffel bag, or do you have some organization to it? I'm just kind of curious what your method of uh, of packing might be. So I took out my rear seats on my uh, on my uh, JLU. Um, so I took I did a rear seat delete, and I have a deck there. So underneath that deck, it folds up. Um, I have a storage box underneath that deck there that I just I bought these little mesh organizer bags on there, and I just have different things like tape and wire and fuses and I just kind of throw it all into this probably one foot by two foot little storage box on there that I picked up from Home Depot. So it's, it's there. If I need it, you know, get tire plug kits and all sorts of out of the way and everything's there. Nice. I like to see a picture of that set up one of these days. I have to send that into the, uh, into the show's address info at talk Love to see those pics people. 
Uh, let's move over to uh, Isaac, 95YJ. Isaac, let's talk about the spares you carry with you. What do you got? I've got the spare tire, obviously. And then I've just got some spare fuses that are they're used in my auxiliary little power box. But obviously, if I need them for a critical unit on the vehicle itself, I just pull them out and move them over. Mm-hmm. But that's yeah, pretty that's much true. it. Spare fuses are, you know, it's, it's uh, the old days you could grab a 22 shell and, and pop it into the uh, the old glass fuse uh, uh, fuse box there. And and uh, and that would work, you know, uh, I've I, in a pinch and this actually worked. I used a, a gum wrapper, you know, the little foil wrapper, the gum and it's mostly paper, but it's got foil on the outside that actually conducts electricity and it's, it carries enough to where you can get your light circuit working again or something along those lines. Now, what I always recommend is grab a, uh, grab a fuse from another circuit that is uh, less critical and drop it into where you, where you need and then use that other circuit uh, for, you know, with a little bit of tinfoil or something like that. If you have to, to get down the trail or get back to the staging area, get down to the gas station to buy a, a fuse or, or something like that, it will work in a pinch. I speak from experience. Uh, but it, really, there's nothing else that can work for a fuse when you absolutely have to have a fuse, other and, than a fuse. And I'll just mention real quick that uh, when you bypass the fuse, the functionality of a fuse, a fire can ensue and you can lose oh, yeah. not only your Jeep, but your life. So yeah. y- y- if yeah, you do this, you do so on your own volition. And at your own risk. Unfortunately, yep. at the risk of others too. But uh, but yeah, that's one of those things, emergency situation, get down off the trail, you got to have lights, well, you do what you got to do. Uh, let's, uh, let's hit up Steve-O. Steve. What do you carry for spares? So besides a spare 10 millimeter, uh, definitely extra, <laughs> extra clothing because where I go wheeling, it's a lot of mud and I've come up where uh, my feet are solid bricks of mud. So I need a spare pair of boots or something where I've ended up on my back and had to change off my pants. So I usually but, wheel in a different set of shoes uh, myself. I often ter- carry a backpack with me uh, when I go out wheeling. It's got some snacks in it. Usually has my regular tennis shoes and extra pair of socks in it, along some other things as well. But you're right, man. There's those time, situations where I've got to hop out of the Jeep, and I'm in terrain where no matter what, and I absolutely have to get out of this Jeep, I'm going to be up to my shins in mud or muck or water or whatever it may be, and there's no way around it, and there's no way I'm going the rest of the day with wet socks you know, or wet shoes or whatever it may be. So I've always got a little something-something in the back seat, uh, a little spare uh, as far as the shoes go and socks go, because man, when you need to have shoes and socks, got to have shoes and socks. And there's nothing else that can replace them. Yep. And I've been in the muck sometime where I was helping someone, I was guiding them, getting them out of a pit. We winched them out and walking back to my Jeep and I lost my footing and I was covered. <laughs> did you ever, did you ever step in something and, and take a step and you lost your shoe because it got sucked off your foot? <laughs> uh, no, cause I wear combat boots just for that purpose because oh, they're laced all the way up up your thighs so that way i don't lose it yeah yeah we you're playing in the mud quite a lot then uh you got to have the right gear and and <laughs> some converse ain't gonna cut it i gotta no. tell you what <laughs> all right let's come let's come back to bob let's uh let's hear from uh from jimmy jeep well i do carry a full-size spare um even though it's a 14 i don't carry too many spare parts because Honestly, with the when you have for the full floats, I'm not worried about axle straps. If I snap one, I can pull it and wheel just fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do carry some extra fluids because that's probably the only thing I carry that no one hasn't mentioned yet. 
some valve stems, some, you know, uh, plenty of zip ties to fix stuff, but not, not a whole lot of parts. You know, valve stem is actually, I think, one of the few things that I don't carry with me. And I, I was kind of surprised to, uh, to hear that nobody else carries fluids as well. I've got a milk crate that that's its, it's, that, that's its sole purpose. It's full of nothing but fluids and lubricants and, and things like that. I think I even have a, a water bottle in there uh, just to, to have a, a, an emer- an one extra you know, piece of emergency uh, uh, hydration uh, source there that I can, I can turn to in, in the case of an emergency or something like that. But, but yeah, milk crate, easy to grab, fits everything. Everything's locked in there. I've got one of those uh, motorcycle uh, uh, mesh tie-down things, like a little miniature spider web type thing. Fits over that perfectly, keeps everything from bouncing out of it. Uh, very easy to get in and out of as well, and uh, and and very easily to be locked down, strapped down as well, and 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 kept in its place. Uh, and, and I recommend that for anybody. If you can get your chance, get your hands on a milk crate, they're an awesome, awesome little storage unit for uh, for carrying fluids and and other things in the back of your Jeep. Now uh, let's uh, talk with Larry Jeep and Mo. Larry, let's talk about some of the spares that you carry. So other than the uh, the fuses and the spare tire. I carry a spare hub because I've had to change that. Uh, typically, we do a when we go somewhere, we drive a long distance. So, new I carry a hub and U joints, and then uh, a spare battery for the welder, and a little box of scrap metal. So, in case you got to piece something back together, I can weld it back together. Dang, good idea, Larry. That's out because I've 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 seen guys carry the the ready welders and things like that. Uh, yeah. And I've even seen, uh, you know, people with uh, the jumper cables and the, and the welding rods and stuff like that. I've never heard or seen anybody else carrying scrap metal with them, even just little parts for a gusset. It's being just able little to do pieces. A, a little, We're not rolling in with plate the... or something. Yeah, just anything that would yeah. be, enable, enable you to do a, an on-the-trail repair, uh, you know, buttoning something together or and, and keeping it there. Man, that's a great idea. Anybody out there who's uh, who's carrying a welder with them out on the trail, you need to take a, a, a page from Larry's playbook there and uh, and get a little uh, little bit of a, a, a scrap metal there with you too. Man, and, and probably not a whole lot either. Maybe a couple different thicknesses, a couple different yeah, a sizes. Yeah, couple little pieces here and there. Yeah, probably all fits the in a in the palm of your hand. Yeah. yeah, that's a good one, Larry. That's a good one. Thanks for that. All right, do we got uh, we got Bob back? Bob, you get your microphone figured out. Yeah, can you guys hear me now? Ah, oh, Bob, you are way back there. We'll go ahead and uh, and and have you go ahead and talk. Maybe Tony can work some magic in uh, in editing. Uh, let's uh, let's hear what you got for spares, Bob. Uh, I carry a spare tire, spare fluids, and then uh, my old school bin of junk, zip ties, some ratchet straps, uh, a couple pairs of nylons, things like that, some baling wire, and. I've always been able to just rig everything together and get off the trailer back home with that. A little bit of ingenuity goes a long ways. Now, Bob's not uh, out there prancing around in high heels. That's not why he's carrying around the pantyhose or the stockings, you know. Uh, that's, actually a, that's actually a very old school trick. Uh, this one that I learned from my grandfather ages and ages and ages ago, uh, telling me a story about his old hot rodding days and stuff. And, uh, and it, when they would throw a belt, uh, one would snap or something like that, uh, an old pair of pantyhose was a lot cheaper and easier to come by than a new belt at the parts store. And it did just about as good of a job, but didn't quite last as long. But it will get you off the trail. It will get you home, uh, you know, from, uh, from around the way, if that's, if that's what happened. Uh, but, you know, I, I, 
nowadays, you know, it's a lot easier to carry around a belt. But in the worst case scenario, you don't have the room, don't have the cash. Pantyhose actually will work in a pinch. <laughs> my uh, my grandfather told me a story about pantyhose, but it was pantyhose and chocolates. Uh, so I'm not sure it was the same thing. Probably uh, not. <laughs> I'm getting worried now. And I could just see all the wives when the husbands come home from jeeping with pantyhose at the jeeps. <laughs> right. right. It's for repair. Sure it is. And Here lipsticks for the radiator, right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. We all got right. All how, many, how many people out there, raise your hand, got the War World War II reference that I made? <laughs> <laughs> Josh didn't. I don't think no, Wendy I did either. Actually. I didn't either. Sorry. <laughs> all right, Tony, what do you carry for spares? Uh, pantyhose and chocolate. No. <laughs> The chocolate's all gone, though. It goes, it goes really fast. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> fever nuggets. Fever nuggets, yeah. Uh, yes, fever nuggets. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I would think a spare tire is a given, but, of course, I do see uh, Wranglers driving around, around out there without a spare tire. And, uh, I mean, spare flats and missing uh, tires and wheels don't happen that often, but I'd feel naked not having a, a spare tire and wheel to... Okay to put on my vehicle and then the the thing that really sucks is whenever you go you got the the spare tire ready to go and now you can't find the jack <laughs> it's like oh no hey you know you were talking about tearing off brake lines earlier uh, does anybody carry a spare brake line have you ever seen anybody do that josh i have not actually uh not really at least there's a I mean, a couple of instances where i've heard of older cherokee guys uh carrying around a rear brake line because those are usually so uh off, off, oftentimes very short uh and unless you swap them out uh, early and often in your build uh they uh they tend to uh, uh tend to get torn off right uh if you if you over flex pulled and off, yeah. yeah it'll get, actually get pulled off so I, i've heard of that i haven't seen it too much and i haven't uh haven't seen or heard of too many examples of that so i would say the brake line thing is is uh is one that says not out there, not not a very common spare. Well, good. And since you mentioned it and had that uh, thing in uh, uh, the little segment that you did, I was wondering if anybody actually carries brake lines. So, yeah, that's a good question. I mean, that that is that is a part that very easily could fail out on the trail, and if nothing else, just from age. Uh, and, and so, you know, it's one of those things where if it goes out. Well, you're going to be uh, be using a whole lot of electrical tape and super glue or something trying to get that fixed. Uh, so, uh, you know, you better better have some of that with you. That's one of those reasons why we talk about uh, uh, silicone tape, self-sealing right. silicone tape. Uh, good for like 500 degrees and like 5,000 PSI. Uh, so, yeah, that, that's one of those things to where if you carry anything, <laughs> duct tape, bailing wire, and silicone tape. There you go. Mm -hmm. And what about you, Wendy? Uh, you and Bill out there uh, in California up on the mountain, you guys are uh, definitely in some uh, harm's way as far as terrain goes and out there quite a, quite a bit. Uh, what do you guys carry as far as spares go? You know, most everybody's covered a lot of the stuff, the nuts and bolts, fluids for sure. Um, a couple things that I didn't hear was duct tape, which I think should be in everybody's kit. I know it's not a spare of anything, but you can pretty much fix a lot of things with that. But something else that we do is the first aid slash trauma kit um, that we make sure we have plenty of just in case. I mean, anything can happen out there. So we also bring that along too. So. Yeah, when you're swapping out your spare, uh, you could lay your finger wide open, you know. Uh, you could run really easy where, you know, yep. something gets crushed, uh, something gets cut, something gets burnt. And if you don't have the means to fix that, you're going to be hurting no matter uh, how well the Jeep is running after the fix. Yep. 
Well, big thanks out there to all of the listeners uh, around the campfire tonight. Great segment uh, this episode. want to give a shout out to John and Bill, uh, of course, uh, Chuck as well, Isaac, Steve, Bob. Uh, Got to get that microphone fixed, Bob. We love you, though. Uh, Jimmy as well, Larry, Tom, and Garrett. A uh, great uh, cross-section of Jeepers from around the nation, around the campfire tonight. And you can join our very next campfire side chat as well. It's very easy. A uh, number of ways you can do it, but I would say one of the best ways is to follow us on Facebook. Uh, you can uh, get a whole bunch of information that way, but if you'd like to get even more, let's well, sign up for our newsletter. The Jeep Talk Show newsletter comes to you just once a week, and it's chock full of all kinds of inside information about interviews that we have coming up, or maybe even a heads up on a giveaway that we have coming up in the near future. And of course, the links to join in on the fun as far as getting in on the show, or even reaching out to us, the hosts of the Jeep Talk Show ourselves. It's very easy to sign up for our newsletter. Just go to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact. You're going to find a link to click and, uh, and sign up for it. Don't worry. We don't spam you, and it's very easy to unsubscribe as well. Well, Jeeper, that's it for this episode of the show. Until our next episode, be sure to do the one thing that helps us more than anything else, telling a friend about the Jeep Talk Show. And as always, thank you for listening to the world's most downloaded Jeep podcast. I didn't want to make a big deal of this earlier on the show, but uh, I hate to hate to say it, but but last night I was visited by a spirit, the ghost of Gloria Gaynor. First, I was afraid. I was petrified. I hate it when uh, Nikki G writes the ones in that didn't have the courage to say them themselves. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm guessing since 2010.